Welcome to this week's recording of the local news, brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you'd like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or give us a ring here at Colin Chance House. And I'd like to thank Barbara Moss and Anne Briggs, who have recently sent us donations. They're much appreciated. Thank you very much, Barbara and Anne. I'm Sally, and Ian, Rianne and Hannah are reading with me, and Nigel is our sound engineer. We will feature the news from Friday the 14th of October until Thursday the 20th of October. We'll start with the headline stories, followed by general news, news items, some sporting updates, what's on, and then the obituaries for those who want to hear them will be at the end of the recording. And this morning, the sunrise was at 7.42 and the sunset at 6.05pm. The thought for the week is taken from Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Turning now to birthdays this week, we would like to say happy birthday to Howard Jones on the 20th and Joyce Pringle on the 22nd. Hope you both have a very good day. And now for the important telephone numbers. Here in Wilds Lane, we are on 01905 76 Police non-emergency number is 101. Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub 01905 765 765. Worcester Theatre 01905 611 427. Malvern Theatres 01684892277. The out of hours medical services is 111. The Samaritans is a free phone number 116123. And if you have problems with uh, the national grid, the number is 0800. Nine one seven seven nine five three, and this is to be used in the event of a power cut, and it's a twenty-four hour service. A priority service is available to be registered on o eight hundred o three two three eight three o two, and they will provide information in frail large print or alternative languages. There's quite a bit... 
There's quite a lot going on around Worcester and the area in the next few weeks. Um, Age UK is getting into the festive spirit with two different trips to Christmas markets. During the festive season, Age UK Worcester and Malvern Hills will be taking people to visit Cheltenham Christmas Market on Monday, December the 19th, and the Stratford-upon-Avon Victorian Christmas Market on Thursday, December the 8th. There are around 50 places available for each trip. Anyone wanting to find out more information on the coach trips and book a place should visit the Age UK Worcester and Malvern Hills website. Alternatively, call 01905 724 294 or 01684 or email health at ageukwmh. Residents and visitors of Worcester will be able to step back in time and see local history as part of a new event this month. The virtual time travel trail will take place on Thursday, October the 27th from 6 till 10pm. The free events will see historic photos of Worcester and memories from local people projected onto the Commandery, St Swithin's Church and the Corner of Corn Market. The Guildhall, Worcester Cathedral, Royal Worcester Porcelain, Worcester City Museum and Art Gallery, Hope Church and the Infirmary Museum are also part of the event. A band performing popular tunes from stage and screen will play in Worcester next month. The Blackwell Concert Band and Worcestershire Winds will be playing at Nunnery Wood High School's Theatre in Spetchley Road at 7.30pm on Saturday, November the 5th. The band will be playing much-loved hits from theatre, TV and cinema, as well as sea shanty music. Tickets start at £8 for adults and £5 tickets for those under 16 and over 65. All tickets can be purchased or reserved in advance by emailing tickets at worcesterwinds.org.uk. Tickets will also be available on the door at the concert from 7pm on the evening of the show. A University of Worcester historian of the supernatural is delivering a talk on topics concerning the devil over Halloween. Professor Aldridge specialises in 16th and 17th century religious history, with a particular interest in witchcraft and the devil, the supernatural and the religious context of the English civil wars. The talk takes place at the Commandery in Worcester at 2pm on Saturday, October the 29th. He follows this with a lecture on Halloween night itself, Monday, October the 31st, at The Hive, on why the devil can seem an exciting and attractive character. Hundreds of music lovers are expected to dive into a special sea-themed concert at Worcester Cathedral next month. 150 singers from Worcester Festival Choral Society, one of the region's most respected choirs, perform one of Ralph Vaughan Williams's great choral works to mark his 150th birthday. The concert includes two early 20th century English choral masterpieces, both paying homage to the ocean and set to verses from Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass poetry collection. Top of the bill is Vaughan Williams's first and best-loved choral symphony, A Sea Symphony, restaged by popular demand after the Choral Society's originally planned sell-out 2020 performance of the work had to be cancelled when the pandemic first struck.
Ben Cooper, chairman of the Worcester Festival Choral Society, said, We're thrilled to be able to perform a sea symphony at last. Listening to it really is like taking a musical voyage. You can picture every aspect of the ocean, from the opening brass fanfare announcing that first glimpse of the sea, to the final distant notes disappearing over the horizon. The concert also includes Sea Drift by Frederick Delius, a moving story of lost love set against a seascape backdrop. Also performing will be renowned soprano Sarah Fox and baritone Andrew Mayer. The Meridian Sinfonia Symphony Orchestra Companies and Worcester Cathedral's Director of Music Samuel Hudson will conduct. A sea symphony will take place on Saturday, November the 26th at 7.30pm. The Choral Society's two other concerts in its 22-23 season will be Handel's Messiah on December the 10th and Elgar's The Dream of Gerontius on March the 18th, 2023, both at Worcester Cathedral, 7.30pm. Established in 1861 and closely associated with Sir Edward Elgar in its early years, Worcester Festival Choral Society's 150 audition singers are drawn from across the county. It holds three major concerts in Worcester Cathedral each season, performing many of the choral greats. It also holds an annual one-day come-and-sing workshop open to all amateur singers. Many of the Society's members are also selected for the prestigious Three Choirs Festival Chorus each summer. A Sea Symphony tickets are available from www.wfcs.online and a ticket source. O treble three treble six double three double six. And finally, at Malvern Theatres coming up soon is Roderick Williams and Susie Allen. Um, baritone Roderick Williams is joined by p- pianist Susie Allen for a concert of music by Ralph Vaughan Williams in celebration of his 150th anniversary year. Um, songs are by Vaughan Williams, Ravel, Butterworth, Holst, Gurney, Stanford, Gibbs, Howells, Parry, Finzi and others. Thursday the 27th of October at 7.30pm, £28 for the tickets. And in November is a Miss Marple Returns to the Stage with Agatha's Christie's The Mirror Cracked, a new adaptation by Rachel Wagstaff. This adaptation of Agatha Christie's famous novel brings real emotional depth and psychological insight to a thrilling story of revenge and the dark secrets that we all hide. But can anything be hidden from Miss Marple, the sweet old lady with mind like a steel trap? The production is on November the 14th to Saturday the 19th at the Festival Theatre Malvern. Box office 01684 892 277 with varying prices. Thank you. And now we'll start with the headline stories, starting with Friday, October the 14th. Van hits wall near school. Safety call after crash. Calls have been made for safety measures after a city council van crushed into, crashed into a wall opposite a city primary school. The van crashed into the wall of a property on Thurnlow Walk opposite St George's Roman Catholic Primary School. 
Bricks were knocked out of place and the wall was left with a large gap from the impact. The crash has prompted calls for safety measures to protect parents and children making their way to school. A city council worker at the scene said it had been caused by a Worcester City Council vehicle while a team of three people were cordoning off the area. Councillor Karen Lewing said the area was an accident black spot and there had been other issues caused by drivers too. There is a historic issue in this area. I have been down to speak to the head teacher this morning who informed me that this is the second time this has happened this year. I have been speaking to parents about setting up a school street which will be closed for an hour in the morning and an hour at the end of the school day to allow students to safely commute to school. I think in the future it would be better to park further away from this area. The road is so narrow. The person who did it was mortified and certainly did not mean to do it, but it is a concern. Councillor Jenny Barnes also echoed echoed Councillor Lewing's comments, saying she was hardly surprised there was a crash. It is a blind corner, so I am hardly surprised there was an issue here. The driver was so shaken up and apologetic, he was in the area to remove a dangerous tree and needed a larger vehicle. Perhaps there needs to be a better way to enter the area. The City Council has launched an investigation into the crash and will be assisting the affected homeowner. A spokesperson said, We are investigating this incident and we are liaising with the affected homeowner. A livid resident also expressed their concerns about children being able to safely get to school. Twitter user Paul Hayworth said, So, a van has hit the wall outside of St George's RC at the time of school drop-off again. When are you going to do something about the risk posed to children here? Is it going to take casualties? What if it were your children? Livid. A structural engineer was on site and fencing was being put up the following day. The road is set to remain closed until later today. Moving on to Saturday and Sunday, October the 15th and 16th. Proper gentlemen. The family of a man who died at a Worcester care home have paid tribute to a much-loved figure. John Joseph, known as Jack, Miss Kimmin, died at Bedwardine House Care Home in November 2020. As we reported earlier this week, an inquest found he fell from the window after forcing it open. Mr Miskimmin was born in Belfast as one of 11 children, having nine sisters and a brother, on May 28, 1938, and lived in Ambleside for many years. He moved to England to live in Sutton Coalfield originally and worked as a bricklayer for Thomas Vale until his 70s when he retired. He eventually settled in Worcester with his wife Maureen and had two children, John and Barbara. He and Maureen went on to have three grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. The couple lived together until Maureen passed away in 1992, living independently until entering Bedwardine House in 2020. Although his name was John Joseph, he was known by family and friends as Jack. His family said... He loved going back to Belfast every year to see his family and he also loved going to Australia to visit his younger sister and her husband and friends. 
He was a very sociable man and for many years played on the crib and dominoes teams at the Goodrest Tavern, which he won many trophies for. He loved walking and would walk everywhere. He wouldn't think anything of walking 10 miles. He loved listening to Irish music and was a fan of the old John Wayne cowboy films. He was an extremely hard-working man and very much a family man who was always there for us at any time. He had many friends and was a very popular man to all generations. A lot of people referred to him as Gentleman Jack. He truly was such a lovely man with the kindest heart and was a proper old-school gentleman. Mr Miskimmin's family sent a number of photos of him to the Worcester News, including one showing three generations of the John Miskinnin of the John Miskinnin name with himself, his son John and grandson John, which were all pictured above this article in the journal. And on Monday, October seventeenth, the headline was Series of Failures in School Bus Row. The County Council has been wrapped for ignoring a dad fearing for the safety of his young son who had been forced to catch the bus to school on his own. Worcestershire County Council has come under fire for the way it dealt with the concerns of a father of two who was forced to send his nine-year-old son to school on public transport using a dangerous route. It is not the first time the council has been criticised for its unlawful and rigid home-to-school transport policy, which wrongly ignores the journey children would have to take from their homes to catch a bus when making judgments, with the ombudsman ruling against the council four times in the last three years on the same failure. The council said in 2020 that it would change its policy to meet the law, but it has still not rewritten its rules according to the ombudsman. The report by the local government ombudsman said the single parent, known as Mr C, had objected to a decision by the council to offer a free bus pass to his eldest son for a route that dropped him off near his new middle school from their village instead of the free dedicated service that was available at his previous middle school. Mr C was concerned that his son would have to walk unaccompanied across a busy dual carriageway using an unsafe crossing where many cars were known to jump red lights. The Ombudsman said it found a series of failures in the Council's handling of this case and missed repeated opportunities to correct it over several months. The report goes on to say the Council's responses had fell short and failed to engage with his concerns and Mr C had had to wait far too long. The Ombudsman said it was concerned to be repeating criticisms it had made in previous years about the way the Council was making decisions on home-to-school transport, despite saying it would improve and for ignoring the concerns of parents over the safety of some routes. The Council was also criticised again for its confusing appeals and complaints system. 
By law, councils have to provide free home-to-school transport for eligible children, including those who live more than three miles away, or have to take a tricky route, or those who have special educational needs, disabilities or mobility problems. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, we have accepted the recommendations of the investigation and have apologised to the complainant for where we went wrong. We aim to ensure that those who wish to appeal a school transport decision feel they are able to do so and we will use the findings and learnings from this investigation to inform our future practice. On Tuesday, October the 18th, the headline read Doe drama over pizza gluten claims. A customer with celiac disease has called a city pizza shop's menu dangerous after confusion over gluten-free options. Adam Teague, who suffers from the gluten intolerance condition, has not been able to eat a takeaway pizza for three years. So he was excited to see a gluten-free option advertised at Fireaway on Angel, Angel Street, although it would cost £3 extra. But Mr Teague's excitement quickly plummeted when he was told by a staff member that the pizza was not actually suitable for those with gluten allergies. For celiacs, gluten can lead to a number of gut issues, including diarrhoea, stomach aches and indigestion. However, Fireaway Pizza claims the option really is gluten-free and an extra-cautious temporary manager incorrectly said it was not. Mr Teague said, I have been looking for somewhere to eat in Worcester as there is barely anywhere that you can get a gluten-free meal. I saw it on their menu for only £3 extra so I thought that's great and my friend called up to order us some pizzas. Mr Teague's friend asked over the phone when ordering if Fireaway could confirm that the pizza was gluten-free because of his celiac disease and was told that the pizza was not gluten-free but instead for people who want to live a gluten-free lifestyle. Mr Teague also went into the shop in person to ask again and was given the same answer. He added, how can you advertise a pizza as gluten-free and charge extra money for it if it's not? It's dangerous and it's a health hazard. I got in touch with an email saying that it, it is false advertising and waited two weeks but didn't get a response. I think it's wrong on so many levels. If it's not a gluten-free base, then it should be taken off the menu. I was very excited. I've not had a proper pizza for three years. I would have happily paid £3 for a gluten-free pizza, but you can't charge £3 extra for a normal base. Mr Teague explained his body reacts to gluten within an hour and the painful symptoms are not worth risking a pizza for. The owner of Fireaway, Harry Singh, has suggestions that the pizzas are not gluten-free. He said, we had a temporary store manager who was being extra cautious due to the environment. All procedures are in place to eliminate the risk of cross-contamination by law. I apologise for the inconvenience that may have been caused. Wednesday, October the 19th, disqualified. The former owners of Worcester Warriors have been fined in court for failing to file accounts and reports with the registrar. 
Jason Whittingham, 51, and Colin Goldring, 38, failed to deliver a copy of Worcester Sports Limited accounts for, fi- for the financial year ending February the 28th, 2021, to the Registrar of Companies at Companies House in Cardiff on November the 30th, 2021. Their verdicts were proven in their absence at Cardiff Magistrates Court on August the 18th. The pair's addresses were recorded as Sixways Stadium, Warriors Way, Hindlip. Whittingham and Goldring have been disqualified from being directors for a company. A liquidator or administrators of a company, a receiver or manager of a company's property and in any way, whether directly or indirectly, concerned or taking part in the promotion, formation or management of a company for 12 months. The disqualification period begins on Friday, November the 4th. Both men were also fined £660 and ordered to pay costs of £100. Whittingham and Goldring have until Friday, November the 11th to pay £760 each. The pair took up positions as directors at Warriors in October 2018 before they took control of the club in June 2019. Warriors were put into administration last month over an unpaid tax bill, causing them to be suspended from all competitions. The RFU bosses wanted evidence of a credible plan to take the club forward, but said they had received no response. The former owners caused outrage among fans when they blamed some of the club's financial problems on the players and supporters. They said the players could not accept a significant salary reduction and that not enough fans turned up on a regular basis. Worcester's debts total more than £25 million, including at least £6 million in unpaid tax. Administrators have said that Six Ways Stadium could see rugby return by next season. Thursday, October the 20th. Locked out of McDonald's after threats. Brave McDonald's staff locked a man out of the restaurant after he was making threats to diners. Later, a large police presence, including reports of armed officers, were seen on Barbourne Road in Worcester. Police said the two incidents are linked. Officers, believed to be armed, arrived at the McDonald's on Roman Way in Malvern on Tuesday after receiving reports of a man making threats and causing a disturbance. In relation to the incident, police also attended an address on Barbourne Road in Worcester to carry out further inquiries. A spokesperson from West Mercia Police said, At around 4.20pm on Tuesday, we were called to McDonald's on the Roman Way in Malvern following reports of a man causing a disturbance and making threats. Staff bravely locked the man out of the restaurant to protect the customers inside and the suspect subsequently left the scene. In relation to this incident, officers then attended an address on Barbourne Road in Worcester to carry out further inquiries. No arrests have been made at this time and our investigations continue. We would like to reassure the public that there are no further threats and thank them for their cooperation and patience. A member of staff at Pound Stretcher nearby said, 
I was working at the front of the shop at the time, so I was watching the whole thing through the windows. There were armed police out there. I counted nine armed policemen. I saw a bloke and a woman being arrested outside of McDonald's. The police put them in handcuffs and searched them. A member of staff at Shoe Zone said, All I know is that someone was kicking off in McDonald's and that someone was frisked and handcuffed. We didn't want to be involved, so we just st tried to stay in the shop to be safe. Staff members at New Look said they saw the police cars parked on the car park. A member of staff at Costa said, My manager was in there as a customer at the time. I used to work there, and I think for them to lock the doors and for police to be armed, it must have been really serious. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police has said that no arrests were made and that a person being put in handcuffs does not mean they were arrested. Worcester News has contacted the McDonald franchisee for a comment. And now for general news items. The city's blind college has improved since its inadequate rating from Ofsted back in February and has now been re-evaluated as good. The residential inspection took place at New College, a school for young people aged 11 to 19 who are blind or whose vision is impaired in July. Ofsted recognised the school had made improvements but found the effectiveness of leaders and managers still required improvement if they were to be considered good. They said leaders have been proactive in reviewing and reflecting on the shortfalls identified at the previous inspection. They have developed new monitoring systems, however these are still in their infancy. Leaders have made some improvements, but there are still some shortfalls. For example, leaders have not made sure all risk assessments and safety plans are updated regularly, especially when the new information comes to light. These omissions could result in some children still being at risk. Inspectors also found that records of staff training did not clearly show which staff had completed which training, an area recommended to be improved. Despite this, Ofsted deemed both the overall experiences and progress of children and young people was good, as well as rating how well children and young people are helped and protected to be good. They added, children spoken to talk positively about living at the school. They say they can make friends, something they previously struggled with. Children say they like the independence, li independence living there and, for example, being able to get around the campus unaccompanied and after passing an assessment, being able to walk independently to the local shops. Children also said they liked the variety of activities available to them. As a result, children develop their confidence and self-esteem. Inspectors found that children get many social opportunities in the school and community and that the houses they stay in are individual and personalised. Parents are complimentary about the care that is given. 
A spokesperson for New College Worcester said, we were delighted with the overall rating of good in our most recent Ofsted residential inspection and are pleased that the progress we have made in such a short time has been recognised and is reflected in the judgment. We are continuing to work hard to embed those improvements in our daily practice with a view to continue this positive direction of travel. A popular city public fireworks display, which typically draws in large crowds, has been cancelled. Pitchcroft Fireworks will not be going ahead this year, with a group behind it announcing they are hanging up their high-vis jackets after over 50 years. The annual display at Worcester Racecourse is organised by Worcester Round Table. It comes as the group, aimed at local men over the age of 18, announced it would be disbanding due to a variety of reasons. A statement from Worcester Round Table said, As we enter the winter season, we wish you the warmest and safest of winters, and this comes with sadness from the small team left at Worcester Round Table, as we are sorry to announce we will no longer be running our fireworks display and bonfire. The post continued, This is mainly due to the lack of members to organise such an event. Over the past 50 years, the teams have loved and enjoyed organising this event, and many others, but this small band of merry volunteers are hanging up our notepads and high-vis. We have made the hard decision to close, and this Facebook page will be closed down next month. Several reasons were given for the cancellation of the display at Pishcroft, including floods in previous years, personal and work commitments of members, and general uncertainty throughout the pandemic. The round table has been contacted for further information. Last year, the team also said the event was not going ahead, but added, we are working behind the scenes for next year's event. Previous firework displays have raised thousands for charities, including New Hope, WMSAR, College for the Blind and St Paul's Hostel. The annual firework display drew in large crowds and was the city's biggest public display. This year, events will be taking place at Kroll on Saturday, November the 5th at Bowdens Field at the bottom of Froxmere Road. Tickets must be bought in advance for the event from Eventbrite. The annual fireworks event at Gordon Jones Memorial Ground in Norton will take the form of a spooky fireworks spectacular this year. It will be held on Saturday, October the 29th, and tickets are £5 for adults and £2 for kids. A second royal visitor came to Worcester in as many days, landing in a dramatic fashion at a city school. Following on from Princess Royal's visit on Tuesday, Princess Alexandra landed via helicopter at Blessed Edward Olcon School on Wednesday. From there, the princess went to visit the Royal Porcelain Works in the city, where she took in a tour of Henry Sandon Hall in the afternoon. Landing at 2pm in the playing fields near the school, Princess Alexandra was then transferred into the waiting Royal Range Rover, which was itself escorted by security. As the princess left the helicopter, there was a loud cheer from pupils at the neighbouring school who were lined up against the fence watching. A small group of residents from the nearby houses and Evendine Avenue also watched on as the royal made her flying visit. Princess Alexandra is a cousin of the late Queen Elizabeth and second cousin of King Charles III. 
working as a patron for more than 100 organisations and charities. The 85-year-old is regularly involved with the Alzheimer's Society, as well as the Cystic Fibrosis Trust and Florence Nightingale Foundation, which provides sponsorship for midwives to train. Known for her work for the blind, Princess Alexandra is patron of Guide Dogs for the Blind Association and Action for Blind People, as well as being president of Sight Savers. Her father was Prince George, Duke of Kent, younger brother of Kings Edward Edward VIII and George VI. She is currently 56th in line for the throne, having been 6th in line at the time of her birth. A new website has been launched to support people struggling with their mental health to access help, advice and support. The Now We're Talking campaign is led by the area's main mental health provider, Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust, together with other organisations, and aims to reduce the stigma of mental health, as well as promote the range of support available for local people. The Now We're Talking website puts all this information in one place, helping people navigate to the right support as quickly as possible. This includes links to community support, online courses which people can access for free straight away, and NHS services provided by the Health and Care NHS Trust. The website also features a new downloadable resources library, including information posters which highlight the support on a page. The aim of the posters are to simplify what mental health support is available at varying stages and how to access it. Gary Morgan, Head of Communications at Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust said, the Now We're Talking website has been developed to provide lots of information in one place on the range of mental health support and resources available. Visit the website at www.nowwe'retalking.nhs.uk. Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust also runs a 24-7 mental health helpline at 01905 681 915, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And now for some statistics on places where lucky winners have been. Worcester has been named one of the luckiest places to live, according to new research. Slingo, an online gaming platform, has published a new study where Worcester has been ranked as one of the luckiest places to live in the UK. Researchers tallied up the total number of wins across their platforms, including postcode lottery statistics, to see which city was bagging the most wins. In the research, Worcester came in 10th place with 98.47% wins per 100,000 people, while Salford earned the top spot as the luckiest place to live with 99.89% wins per 100,000. Earning second place in the list of luckiest places to live is West Molling at 99.73. Then we have Eastbourne in third, while Hove came in fourth and Andover earned fifth place. Livingston came in 6th place and South End is in 7th place. 
eighth is Edinburgh and in ninth Croydon. The study also revealed the luckiest postcode in the UK is Exeter. Although Birmingham and Sheffield bagged the most wins overall, Exeter had the highest wins per person with 82.9 postcode lottery wins per 100,000 people. Men and women are just as lucky as each other when it comes to winning Slingo games. Bets that have been placed by both genders result in wins 96% of the time. Luckiest age group, according to Slingo. Although we know age is just a number, it does seem to play a factor in winning. Slingo's research reveals players between the age of 20 to 29 have a higher chance of winning than players aged 40 to 49. People with the name James had a 99% chance of winning. However, James is also one of the most common names in the UK, and that might have something to do with it. The names Michael and Richard tied in second place in the study with a 97% likelihood of winning games. The data for this study was sourced from Slingo's customer data. And I should add, this comes with a health warning. I'm not telling you to go and gamble. (laughs) Hospital bosses have been forced to choose between treating patients in corridors or in the back of ambulances as they prepare for another shortage of beds this winter. The struggles continue for under-pressure NHS staff in Worcestershire ahead of a hectic winter, with Trust Chiefs admitting it is already short of 45 beds. As many as 20 people a night are waiting in A&E for beds that cannot be provided, and the Hospital Trust is having to make risky moves and decide between moving patients to corridors or treating them in the back of an ambulance. The crisis in the county's NHS has led to one call for the government to intervene and declare an emergency at Worcestershire's hospitals. Mary Gay, Managing Director of the new NHS Herefordshire and Worcestershire Integrated Care Board, ICB, admitted the NHS was still in a very challenging position in Worcestershire and the system was still struggling with long ambulance handover delays, lack of space and staff shortages as well as rising Covid infections. The bleak story painted by the county's health bosses led Councillor Richard Udall to ask why an emergency had not been declared during the meeting of the Health Overview and Scrutiny Committee in County Hall on October the 17th. Hospital Trust Deputy Chief Executive Paul Brennan said a new 30-bed short-stay unit at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, which should have opened in February but did not open until July, had made little to no impact on tackling waiting times and handover delays. The Hospital Trust said it had been experimenting with the way it moves a number of patients around the hospital after the opening of the temporary ward, which did see the number of hours lost because of handover delays plummet from 800 to around 170 in the first week of the trial before shooting back up to 800 again within the month. Mr Brennan said he expects the new model to begin to bear fruit and cut delays when much-needed extra space opens up in the hospital's refurbished Acombury buildings in mid-November. Nevertheless, 
Bosses say there are often 100 people in an A&E that was built for half that amount, with around a fifth of those people in desperate need of a bed that the hospital cannot provide. A bigger A&E is not expected to open at Worcestershire Royal Hospital until May next year. It is not much better at the region's ambulance service either, with one director admitting long handover delays had been at catastrophic levels for 12 months, with no signs of improving. Some serious patients, such as those who have had strokes, are still waiting almost two hours for an ambulance to arrive, with many needing help after falls facing agonising waits of 12 hours or more. Dozens of people slept in the cold to help raise money and awareness of homelessness. The big sleep-out returned to Worcester on Friday, with over 60 people spending the night at Six Ways Stadium. So far, £11,300 has been raised for three local charities, St Paul's Hostel, Mag's Day Centre and the Worcester Warriors Foundation. Among those in attendance was the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson. He said, I am really pleased to be supporting this venture. I think the sleep-out is fantastic. It raises money, it raises awareness and makes people understand that homelessness is just round the corner for many of us. We shouldn't be judging people for their homelessness. We should be seeing how we can assist and how we can help people drive forward. Fellow Worcester City Councillor Karen Lewing added... Coming out of council meetings at the Guildhall, I see people sleeping in doorways of shops and it fills my heart with sadness. I just wish we could do more. The charities in Worcester do so much and they need all the help we can give them. The big sleep out has taken place in Worcester twice before and between those years over £55,000 was raised. All of the money raised will be split equally between Mags, St Paul's and Warriors Community Foundation. Michael Hudson, director of... Finance at Worcestershire County Council had his own personal reason for taking part in this year's sleep out on Friday, October the 14th. When I was 36, I got divorced and I lived two months in the back of a car, he said. Homelessness and rough sleeping can happen to anybody. The Bishop of Worcester, Dr John Ing, also took part. He said, joining in the big sleep out was an opportunity to remind myself of the private privations suffered by the homelessness. It enables me to focus my prayers and at the same time raise funds for three charities who do so much for some of the most vulnerable in our community. These people need your support and because actually getting out of this position and being able to retain mental health and well-being is so important. Worcester City Council wants to hear the views of residents and businesses on what its priorities should be and how the council should be spending public money in the year ahead. The council's annual survey runs until the 11th of November. Have your say by going to www.worcester.gov.uk forward slash voice it. If you're not able to complete a survey online, you can collect a printed copy from the Guildhall or call 01905 Seven treble two double three. Given the current economic situation facing the country, alongside the council's commitments to invest in the city's regeneration and to become carbon neutral by 2030, it's more important than ever that residents have their say on the city's future. 
The City Council is the only organisation exclusively dedicated to serving Worcester's residents. It needs to make clear and purposeful decisions as it considers how residents' money should be spent and what its priorities should be for the year ahead. It is important that the Council's priorities reflect what matters most to residents and businesses, so councillors want to hear your views now more than ever. This is your chance to let them know what you think about the Council's services and how your money should be spent to help them plan for the year ahead. To take part, visit www.worcester.gov.uk forward slash council forward slash consultations. Paper copies are also available. Call 01905 722 to request one. A pub in Worcester City Centre is set to close due to renovations later this week. The Horn and Trumpet on Angel Street announced that it will be closing its doors on Sunday for the work to be carried out. The pub will remain closed for 13 days, reopening on Friday, October 28th. Contractors will be working on the interior and exterior of the pub as well as carrying out some building work. The staff apologised for the closure but told customers it will be worth the wait. Customers are eager to see the results of the extensive makeover. A Facebook post from the pub said we're closing for a refurbishment. Sunday, October 16 is our final day of being open. We reopen Friday, October 28th and apologise for any inconvenience caused, but it'll be worth it. There will be both internal and external work being completed, with more space being created inside the pub as well as remedial building work which is needed. People expressed their excitement over the news of the work being carried out. One said, can't wait to see the new blower as it reopens on my birthday. The Horn and Trumpet is a Marston's pub, which is one of the largest chain pub brands in the UK. Marston's have 20 different locations in Worcester alone, including venues such as the King's Head, the Coach and Horses and the Anchor Inn. The pub serves a variety of food and drinks during the day and transforms into a nightclub in the evenings. The pub also has regular live sports shown on a pool and a pool table. It follows the refurbishment of another city centre pub last month. The Old Greyhound in Reindeer Court reopened with a karaoke night on Friday, September 30th after a major refurbishment. And also in the city centre, the Plough on Fish Street had closed temporarily and is now open again, and a sign on the door said, closed for staff maintenance to give the knackered team a break. A multi-million pound improvement project in Worcester City Centre is set to last for more than eight months. The improvement works revitalising key areas of the city centre are set to progress forward with a break over the Christmas period. After previously completing work in Angel Row, Angel Place, St Swithin Street, Trinity, Trinity Passage and The Cross as part of Phases 1 to 3. 
The final phase includes the completion of Trinity Street before Christmas and works in St Nicholas Street and the Foregate to follow in the new year. These works are scheduled to last for approximately eight months with the five-week break over the festive period. The project is being delivered by Worcestershire County Council in partnership with Worcester City Council and funded by the Future High Street Fund. Councillor Mark Bayliss, Worcestershire County Council's Cabinet Member with responsibility for economy, infrastructure and skills and leader of Worcester City Council, said... These works continue to move forward quickly and I'm delighted to see they are being delivered on schedule. It's exciting news that the fourth phase of work is about to begin on Trinity Street, followed by improvements to St Nicholas Street and the Foregate. This major investment in the heart of the city centre will boost the appearance of the entire area, bringing benefits to local retailers, businesses, residents and visitors alike. The project will contribute significantly to the sustainability of our local economy and long-term viability and prosperity. The improvements on Trinity Street and the Foregate will see pavements and parking bays upgraded using new materials. Work on St Nicholas Street works will also see pavements upgraded with new materials and a replacement low-retaining wall with a handrail for enhanced safety at the east end of the street. All carriageways will be resurfaced in a later phase. The overall programme, which will continue into 2024, is part of the major regeneration of the city centre, funded by £17.9 million from Worcester City Council's successful bid to the government's future high street funds. In 2021, the government announced that Worcester City Council's bid was successful for funding from the future high street fund. For more information, you can visit worcestershire.gov.uk slash Worcester FHSF. People have started to be reimbursed after machines in City Council car parks overcharged 15,000 people, raising £400,000. A car park blunder led to thousands of drivers being charged multiple times for parking in the city. People were needlessly charged several times for parking in Worcester City Council car parks, with some claiming they were charged for sessions they hadn't even used. Refunds for duplicate car parking payments have now started and 183,000 payments are expected to appear in customers' accounts by next week. However, customers who cancelled their bank cards or brought the ticket on now-expired bank cards might have to wait a little longer for a refund. Although customers will still be able to receive refunds as long as they only cancelled the bank card and not the bank account. Flowbird told Worcester City Council all 56,000 duplicate payments made by MasterCard were processed with the cash expected to arrive in bank accounts during the week commencing Monday, October the 24th. A further 127,000 duplicate payments will be refunded to those who bought a ticket on a Visa card. Shane Flynn, Director of Finance at Worcester City Council, said... We are pleased that this situation is now beginning to be resolved and that our customers will soon start to receive their refunds. We'd like to thank everyone for their patience and we will continue to provide regular updates until everyone has been refunded. We know that this matter has been not only frustrating for customers but has left many people, albeit temporarily, out of pocket. 
It appears that people whose bank cards have been expired or cancelled will have to wait slightly longer than others to get their refunds. We sincerely apologise for this, but once again I would urge people to get in touch if they are facing financial hardship as the council can provide emergency and refunds where necessary. The council is urging anyone who might be suffering financial hardship due to this issue to get in touch. Customers will need to send evidence of duplicate payments being taken from their bank account to parking office at worcester.gov.uk. Neighbours are being reassured that work has not started on controversial plans to build student accommodation in St John's. Developer New Venture Housing wants to demolish St Clement's Church Hall in Henwick Road and replace it with a block of 54 student flats. But the plans have not proved popular locally, with nearly 100 residents meeting to oppose the proposal in the summer and dozens lodging their objections with Worcester City Council. Activity on the site this week had some residents worried that work had started prematurely as planning permission has not been granted. But St John's councillor Richard Udall said the workers seen on the site are archaeologists carrying out a site inspection. They will report their findings to the City Council before any decision is taken by the Planning Committee. Councillor Udall said, This is a controversial application. Many residents have expressed their concerns. They really do need to write to the City Council and formally object. The application has already attracted a lot of comments, but we need as many people as possible to express their view. The application is clearly not supported locally and would have a serious detrimental impact on the local area. The members of the planning committee need to hear the concerns of local people and to understand their objections. We can defeat this irresponsible application if we mobilise and object. Formally objecting to the plans, fellow St John's councillor Matt Lamb said the property should be used as a community space and expressed concern that the size of the development would cause stress for the site's elderly neighbours. I am concerned about the development of student accommodation so close to a settled and established community made mainly up of elderly residents, he said. There is the potential for antisocial behaviour and noise pollution, which will be detrimental to the established residents. Among the objections submitted to city planners is a petition signed by the residents of Dan Cox House, a sheltered housing scheme for vulnerable people that overlooks St Clement's Church Hall. Other objections point out a lack of parking spaces included in the proposal, expressing concern that this would create further parking problems in neighbouring roads. A senior figure within West Mercia Police has officially launched the University of Worcester's new policing degree. Assistant Chief Constable for West Mercia Police Richard Cooper visited the university to welcome its first professional policing cohort. Several members of the police service attended to mark the occasion and speak to the students about a career in policing. 
Assistant Chief Constable Cooper said, on behalf of West Mercia Police, I was delighted to open the course. Policing needs brilliant and compassionate people from all backgrounds. The job is hard, but it remains a privilege to serve, and the students I met today renewed my enthusiasm for the future. I wish them every success. He and other visitors from West Mercia Police spoke to students about the job of policing, what qualities are required and the wide variety of roles available to them in the force depending on their interests. Nathan Pawley, citizen in policing coordinator for operational volunteers in West Mercia Police, was also present to speak about the volunteering aspects of policing and the opportunities for volunteering with West Mercia Police that would be particularly relevant to the students while on their course. Professional policing degree student Shannon Birchill, 18, said... I think the visit was immensely inspiring and helpful to understand what policing is like today and how myself and others on the degree will have an impact on future policing. I chose the policing degree to pursue my dream of being a police officer within my community and investigate crime as a detective but recognise it opens doors to other career possibilities too within the wider criminal justice system. I believe our course lead, Michelle, has designed the course to equip us with the knowledge and skills to be the best future police recruits we can be. Michelle Clark, senior lecturer in policing and course lead, said it was fantastic for our students just starting out on their policing journey to get such encouragement and motivation from such a senior figure from West Mercia Police. This was a chance for our inaugural policing cohort to hear from those at the heart of policing about the challenges policing faces today and what it is like on the ground. I have no doubt it inspired them to achieve their full capabilities and clearly showed them the exciting career opportunities that could await them with West Mercia Police or other police forces at the end of their three years. For information on courses at Worcester University, visit www.worcester.ac.uk. An overflowing dog waste bin is causing a stink as bags of muck are left nearby as people use it for household waste. A picture showing the dog waste bin overflowing on the corner of Lansdowne Crescent Lane adjoining Rainbow Hill was shared on social media. Disgusted residents called for people to take their bags of dog muck home with them rather than leaving them placed on the floor near the bin. Meanwhile, Worcester City Council has confirmed the bin is being used to dispose of household waste, which is causing it to overfill. A spokesperson said, This bin is monitored regularly and will be emptied. We would ask people not to use dog waste bins for the disposal of household waste, as has happened in this case, as it causes these bins to fill up quicker than necessary. This particular bin is due to be replaced with a larger one in the very near future as part of the City Council's litter bin investment programme. Anyone who spots an overflowing bin in the city is encouraged to report it at worcestershire.gov.uk.
www.worcester.org.uk slash report dash it. Worcester City Council promotes the Any Bin Will Do campaign, which means that dog waste can be deposited in any bin provided by the council around the city. If there are no bins in the immediate area, you are required to take it home and dispose of it. Failure to pick up can result in a £70 on-the-spot fine, but can cost up to £1,000 if the case goes to court. People can also report piles of dog poo left on pavements through the Poo Watch app, which is free for smartphone, tablets and personal computer users. The information provided will help identify dog litter hotspots so action can be targeted in areas of greatest need. The web app will use GPS locators for people to report dog mess and will help create an interactive map of the city showing the worst affected areas. It also shows the nearest poo bin to the user's location. Two of the contenders vying to represent Worcester for Labour in the next general election have launched their campaigns. Labour hopefuls Roch Jacobi and Mark Williams have both unveiled their intention to stand at the next general election, which must take place no later than January 2025. The city has been represented by Conservative Robin Walker since 2010 after defeating Mike Foster, who was the first and last Labour MP to be elected in Worcester, having held the seat for 13 years from 1997. Robin Walker won again in 2015 and 2017 to keep hold of the seat for the Conservatives, finishing in front of Labour's Joy Squires on both occasions with majorities of 5,646 and 2,508, before defeating the city's now Labour leader, Lynn Denham, with over half the vote and a 6,758 majority in 2019. Ro Jacobi fled Afghanistan after being captured and tortured as a 12-year-old child by the Taliban and arrived in Britain in 2004. He said representing the city for Labour would be the greatest honour of his life. I came to the UK as a refugee, not speaking English, he said. I took time to learn the language and positively integrate into British society. I've studied the culture, the history, the politics and our country's place in the world and deeply understand what people's lives are and what they're going through. I believe I can make a real difference in representing Worcester in Westminster and beyond, if given the privilege. I have a fighting spirit because giving up has never been an option for me. Mark Williams, who lives in London but grew up and attended school in Droitwich and served as a Southwark councillor between 2011 and 2018, said a victory for Labour in Worcester was essential if the party was to kick the Tories out of Downing Street at the next election. We've got to win Worcester full stop, he said. The Conservatives have run out of road and the the county needs a change. I'll be taking the fight to them. I know the city very well, I think I'm the best candidate, I have the experience and I know how to win. Works to construct a new bridge in Worcester are set to move forward in November. The Keepax Bridge will run between Gellivelt Park to the east of the river and the Keepax site in St John's to the west, providing improved cycle and pedestrian connection to the north of Worcester. 
Worcestershire County Council said over the next few weeks the site compound and offices will be put into place in Gellervelt Park and next to the Hallow Recycling Centre. This will be in place ahead of the main construction works which are scheduled to commence in November. Preparatory works have been underway for some time to pave the way for the main works. The bridge is being brought to the city by Worcestershire County Council and Worcester City Council. Councillor Mark Bayliss, Worcestershire County Council's Cabinet Member for Economy, Infrastructure and Skills and Joint Leader of Worcester City Council said, This bridge is an important part of our commitment to improving walking and cycling infrastructure in Worcestershire, so it's great that we're now ready for these works to really begin in earnest. The bridge will be a fantastic addition to the city, providing much improved connectivity for commuters, local residents, visitors and for those in the area for leisure. Once completed, the bridge will bring a major boost for the health and well-being of people, encouraging many more to walk and cycle around our beautiful city. The works are set to be completed by early 2024. Workers have been in the city park for the last couple of weeks digging what looks like foundations for the new bridge. Last month it was revealed that the cost of building the new bridge had almost doubled to nearly £16 million, up from around £9 million three years ago. The council blamed inflation and rising costs for this spiralling budget, but says it will still be able to afford the bridge. The council has said it can pay for the bridge if it moves around some of the money in its existing budgets and makes big cuts, including important funds for maintaining roads and infrastructure to its own capital spending. Now four items on on sports. First of all, football. Square one. Five games, two training sessions and 24 days later, City are back in the market for a manager. The hunt for a new boss at Worcester City has begun again, just 23 days after Keenan, Meakin, Richards and Graham Deakin were confirmed as joint managers. The former Hensford paid were brought in on September 26 following the resignation of predecessor Tim Harris, but after five games and only two training sessions, they both left. It was revealed on Tuesday morning that Meekin Richards was stepping down from his post due to personal reasons and then after the embarrassing 3-0 WFA Senior Cup defeat to Droitwich Spa later that evening, Deakin was relieved of his duties by City Chairman Steve Good. A club statement on the Worcester website read, following this evening's defeat to Droitwich Spa, Worcester City Football Club can confirm that manager Graham Deakin and his backroom staff have been relieved of their duties. The search for a new manager begins once again. There'll be an emergency board meeting in the coming days and supporters will be updated as soon as possible. And cricket news over at New Road this week sees the coach Alex Gidman stepping down at New Road after a four-year tenure. 
The club confirmed on Friday afternoon that Gidman had stepped down and would leave the club with immediate effect. Taking over from previous coach Kevin Sharp in 2018, Gidman helped the club win the T20 Blast in the same year as well as reaching the final the following year. He moved into coaching after a finger injury forced him to retire from playing for the club in 2016. Speaking about his time as coach, Alex Gidman said, I enjoyed my time at Worcestershire and would like to thank the club for all of its support. I wish the club well for the future. Chairman Fanos Hira thanked Gidman for his efforts, adding, Alex has led the club to great success, winning the T20 Blast in 2018 and runner-up in 2019. We wish him well in the next steps of his career and thank him for his contribution to our club. Gidman took over after predecessor Kevin Sharp moved upstairs from his role in 2018. It was a quick rise to the top for the former Worcestershire and Gloucestershire batsman who had been second 11 coach at New Road before making the step up. This followed the departure of Steve Rhodes after more than 30 years at the club. There is no word yet on who will replace Gidman or when a successor will be will be put in place. The 2022-23 winter will be one of transition for Worcestershire, with the loss of Gidman adding to high-level departures, including Moeen Ali and Ed Barnard, both of whom have moved to Warwickshire. Also departing the club are long-serving batsman Tom Fell, who only played one county championship match this season. Joining the club are all-rounder Matthew Waits from Yorkshire and batsman Adam Hose, who joins from Warwickshire. The Six Ways Stadium could see rugby return by next season in an update from the administrators. Begby's trainer was, appointment, was appointed by DCMS as administrators to oversee WRFC Trading Limited, the company which Worcester Warriors operated under. The company, which specialises in corporate recovery and restructuring, put Julie Palmer, Julian Pitts and Adrian Hook to handle the proceedings. The administrators are hoping to see rugby return next season with a number of interested parties focused on acquiring the club. A statement from the administrators reads... We are pleased to confirm that discussions are continuing with a number of interested parties who remain focused on acquiring Worcester Warriors with a view to re-establishing rugby at the Six Ways Stadium and developing the first-rate facilities and land around it to support rugby operations. We are not yet at a stage to be able to enter into any preferred bidder agreement but expect to continue discussions around this with a view to achieving a sale in the timescale needed for a squad to be built by a purchaser in good time for next season. Warriors were put into administration on September 26th, causing them to be suspended from all competitions. RFU bosses wanted evidence of a credible plan to take the club forward, but said they'd receive no response. Worcester's debts total more than £25 million, including at least £6 million in unpaid tax. Begby's trainer has taken on a number of high-profile cases since it formed in 1989. Most notably, the firm took on Wigan Athletic when the football club went into administration in 2019. 
partners from the firm were able to clear all football creditors and to find a buyer for the club to stave off the threat of liquidation, which would have been a historic community football club disappear from the English Football League. Worcester Raiders are set to play at the ground today against Wantage Town Football Club in the next fixture since Warriors fell into administration. And the last of our sports stories returns to cricket. Worcestershire County Cricket Club stalwart Ben Cox has been awarded a benefit season after 13 years of service. The wicketkeeper batsman made his senior debut for the Pairs in 2009 when he was taken out of school to play against Somerset at Taunton when he was just 17. He has become one of the country's most accomplished keepers and this summer reached the 600 mark in dismissals across all formats. Cox has also chipped in with 5,344 first-class runs from the middle order, including a career-best 1-2-4 versus Gloucestershire at Cheltenham in 2017 and 1,624 in List A. Cox said, I am hugely proud and it is a huge honour to be awarded a benefit by the club for 2023 and to follow on from people like Vikram Solanke and Daryl Mitchell who have had them during my time with Worcestershire. Even from the time of my first professional contract at the age of 17, I never thought I'd have the career I've had and go on to be awarded a benefit. It's a big moment for myself and the family, and in a roundabout way, it's a big thank you to them. He continued, I've been playing for Worcestershire since I was a nine-year-old, and my mum and dad have always been so supportive, ferrying me about to training and matches for many years, and always there for me. My dad even moved us closer to Worcestershire to live to help me with becoming a sportsman. The highlight of Cox's time at New Road was no doubt the 2018 Vitality Blast, picking up back-to-back Man of the Match awards, starting with 55 not-out display against Lancashire Lightning in the semi-finals. Later that same day, in the final with Sussex Sharks, Cox managed 46 not-out as the Rapids claimed the trophy for the first time in their history. Cox added, without a doubt, 2018 stands out and two Man of the Matches on finals day is pretty crazy, even looking back now on what was a great day for the club. But there were many other highlights, gaining promotion in 2014 and then again going up as Division 2 champions in Joe Leach's first season as captain in 2017. It's a great club and the members have always been very supportive throughout my career and I thank everyone at the club for their backing and help over the years. Worcestershire Chair Fanos Hira said, Congratulations to Ben on being awarded a benefit and it is a testament to his career and contributions to Worcestershire over many seasons. Without a doubt he has shown himself to be one of the best keepers in the country and what happened on finals day in 2018 at Edgbaston will never be forgotten. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you all for listening. 
And for anybody who wishes to hear the obituaries, they will follow after the music. So it just remains for us to say, keep safe, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. And now to the obituaries. Tony Kilminster of Beverley passed away peacefully on the 18th of September. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 21st of October at 1pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons Worcester. Casual clothes by request please. Karen Martins passed away suddenly on the 25th of September. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium on Wednesday the 26th of October at 1pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Winston's wish may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons Worcester. Walter Wally Clark passed away peacefully on the 2nd of October. There will be a celebration of his life at Worcestershire County Cricket Club on Wednesday the 26th of October at 2.30pm. If you wish to attend, please contact Noel Clark by email noel at noelclark.net or phone 07879065624. Neil James Tompkins passed away suddenly but peacefully on the 3rd of October. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 4th of November at 12.15. Family flowers only, donations to Cancer Research UK. Patricia Margaret Jauncey passed away peacefully on the 4th of October. Pat's funeral will be at Astwood Crematorium on Monday the 24th of October at 10am. Flowers to AV Band Funeral Directors. Thank you. Philip Charles Edward, Phil, priest from Droitwich, passed away peacefully at home on the 4th of October. Funeral service to take place at Redditch Crematorium on Wednesday the 26th of October at 3.30pm. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, will be gratefully received for Macmillan and British Heart Foundation. All inquiries to Worcester, Co-op Funeral Care, Worcester. Godfrey James Harvey of Northwick passed away peacefully on Tuesday the 4th of October, surrounded by his family. A celebration of Godfrey's life will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 27th of October at 12.15. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons Worcester. Dillis Burgess, nay Rose, passed away peacefully on the 4th of October. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 26th of October at 1.45pm. Family flowers only please. Donations for Springfield Rest Home Limited may be left at the crematorium or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester. Mary Gray passed away peacefully surrounded by her family on the 4th of October, at home, age 91. 
The funeral service is to take place at Lower Broadheath Church on Wednesday the 19th of October at 2pm. Family flowers only. <coughs> Donations, if desired, will be gratefully received for the Friends of Lower Broadheath Church. All inquiries, care of Co-op Funeral Care Worcester. Patricia Reynolds, peacefully on the 7th of October. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 24th at 11.30. Family flowers only, but donations for Kidney Care UK may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury Funeral Director, Malvern. Ruby Annie White, peacefully in her sleep on the 7th of October at the age of 96. The funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 24th of October at 1.45pm. Family flowers only, but donations in Ruby's memory may be made to St Richard's Hospice. Patricia Edward, sorry, Patrick Edward Richard Val, Vandeleur Ferminger, known as Paddy, died at home surrounded by his family on the 7th of October. Funeral service at St John in Bedwardine Church, St John's, Worcester, on Tuesday the 1st of November at 12 noon. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, to the Giles Trust and Masonic Charities may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Formal black dress by request. Dorothy May Pugh of Mayfield Avenue passed away peacefully at home on the 12th of October. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 27th of October at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons, Worcester. And we're sending our thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of all those who have been bereaved at this very difficult time. 